0: Chapter 14 of Lives of the Presidents of the United States in Words of One Syllable. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Emily Schuler. Lives of the Presidents of the United States in Words of One Syllable by Helen W. Pearson. Chapter 14. Abraham Lincoln. 1861 to 1865. In a poor log house in Hardin County, Kentucky, Abraham Lincoln, or Abe as he was known through life, was born in 1807. His home was not as good as the barns of today and stood in the midst of a dense wood where at night when he lay on his bed he could hear the growl of the wolves on the snow. Few of the folks who lived near could read or write and there were no schools at that time where a boy might learn. One man who knew more than the rest used to take a few boys and girls to teach them for a small sum at his own house, and Abe, as we shall call him, when not much more than six years of age, was one of this class. From the first, Abe took to his books. School life pleased him the more and more he had of it, and he showed that he could learn with ease his tasks, hard as they might be. He could not get much help at home, as there were few there who read and wrote, and there were but three old books in the house, a church book, the word of God, and one which taught how to spell. And yet it was not long ere the boy knew them all by heart. In the still hours of the night, by a dim light, he would work on at his books while the rest slept. So young in life were the first good seeds sown, that in the years to come were to reap for him fame and a name. When Abe had been scarce a year at school, he could read and write, as well as most boys can, at twelve, and bade fair in a short time to know more than the man who taught him. But at this time his folks thought they would sell out and move to the far west, where land was cheap, and take a new farm. This was done, and Abe found that in his new home there was still less chance for him to go to school, as they were in the wilds where no man had set foot. Abe helped to chop down the trees that were to make the house, and though but eight years of age, proved that he was of some use on a farm. As there was much game in the woods, it was not long ere he learned how to use a gun and would often bring home at night wild fowl for them, so they knew there was no fear that they would starve in their new home. When they came to build their new log house, Abe was of great help, for there was no one they could call on for aid. The first house was six miles off. Soon more folks built near them, and a small town grew up in that wild place. So Abe had a chance to go to school once more. He was glad, for he had not found books to read in that wild spot much as he wished for them. Books were so scarce in those days that Abe would go miles to get one of a friend if he thought it would be lent. The first he read in his new home was The Life of Washington, which made its mark on his mind and had much to do with the brave way he went through life and sought to do the right at all times. When a young man Lincoln was hired to take charge of a flatboat filled with skins and furs to trade with the South, Abe was glad to go, for he had a strong wish to see the world of which he had dreamed and thought so much. There was much to be seen on this trip down the stream, but when it rained they had a hard time to keep dry and had to sleep at times in the wet. Lincoln was much pleased with all the new scenes that met his eye, and he was not glad when they got to the end of it and had sold their goods at a fair price. He was well paid by the one who hired him for the way he had made the trip and praised for it. From that on, Lincoln was at times a raft man, or he split rails, and when a man in years took charge of a mill and store in the town of New Salem. At that time of which we write, it was thought a great time for a young man to have full charge of such a place, and he was looked on as a bright youth who soon was the pride of the town. Abe's name was soon known in the place for truth, as he would not lie or strive to cheat when he made a trade. He had a bright way with him that took with men, and he was full of smart tales that made folks laugh when he told them by the fire at night. When there was no one in the store to buy, Lincoln read in some good book, for they were not so hard for him to get now. When the Black Hawk War broke out, at once he met the call for men and formed a small force of armed men in his own town of the young men of the place. He was placed in charge of these troops and marched at once to the seat of war where he fought it out to the end and then walked home on foot. Lincoln was at this time a strong, well-formed young man, tall and not without some grace of his own. It is said he could lift a large keg by his hands and drink from the bunghole, which shows how great was his strength. One day, some young friends of his asked him if he would run for a place. He laughed at the thought of such a thing, but when he found they meant it, he said at last that he would run. He lost by a few votes of the count, which showed him at least that he had a host of friends in the place, as there were three smart men who ran with him for the same place. Two years from that time, he ran once more and won by a great deal of votes, but he would not give beer or drinks for a vote. That was thought to be the way to win. Lincoln now took up law and was soon made one of the bar. His first case was that of a poor boy who lay in jail it was said for a crime he had done and for which there was small hope that he would get off. Lincoln took charge of his case. He did not make a cent by it, but he set the boy free and sent him back to his home. In 1846, he took his seat in Congress, and for years he took the part of the slaves and signed all bills that came up which would help their cause. Lincoln's name was now known throughout the length and breadth of the land, and his views were sought at all times, when a strong case came up to be judged. He sprang at once into the front rank of the great men of his day, and soon took the lead of them on points of law. All loved him for the good traits he had, and for his fear of God, which he had shown from his youth up. Lincoln was a sad man, though he was famed for his wit and the fun of the tales he would tell. Yet all who saw his grave eyes and fixed sad mouth knew that in his heart he was not gay. He had at times what his friends knew as a black mood. It would seem as though a thought of his doom was with him all the while. He thought that he was meant for some great or sad end. He would talk of it in a calm way and had felt sure of it all his life. To him it was his fate and he could not be free from it. He felt that he was to fall from a high place. When he was made president, he said that he would not last through the term. When his friends wished to guard him from his foes, he would take no pains to do it. If they wish to kill me, he said, there is not to keep them back. He did not wish a guard, but said, why stop up a gap when the fence is down all around? But though he spent most of his life in sad thoughts, he had a good side that made him like a laugh, and he was glad to chase his gloom. But the books he most read were of the sad kind. And what told of death and the grave, or the grief of men's days on earth, had the most charm for him. When he told a tale with wit in it, his sad face would change, and the mirth would spread till all the hard lines went out of it. The fun of it would dance in his eyes long ere he would reach the point of it. He would go a long way to find a man who could tell him a fresh thing in the way of fun, and hunt him up and swap jokes with him. They hand down good things, he told, in all the towns where he was wont to be, and they are heard to this day. It is said that his jokes were used to keep off his sad moods, and his mirth seemed to be put on. He was kind but cold, not a man to hate with a deep, fierce hate, nor to love as a fond friend. He would use man as tools and then think of them no more. He did not care much for great men, for he felt that he was as great as the best of them, and could do all that man could do. It was the aim of his heart to be right and to do what was just to all men. He had not a great love for gold and would not take a cent by wrong means. It was a day of gloom when Lincoln left Springfield to go to Washington, and a cold rain fell. When he got on the train, he went to the rear of the car and stood for some time in deep thought. His eye gazed with a sad glance at the crowd who were there to see him off, as though he would read their hearts. There was a tear in his eye as he saw them it might be for the last time it seemed as though he could not speak but at last he said a few words he told them that none could know what he felt at that hour he said here have i lived from my youth till now i am an old man here the ties most dear to me have been formed here my babes were born and here one of them lies in a grave to you dear friends i all that i have all i am all the strange past seems to crowd now on my mind. This day I leave you. I go to take up a task more hard than that which fell on Washington. If the great God who helped him shall not aid me, I shall fail. Let us pray that this God may not leave me now. To him I leave you all. Ask his help for me with all faith. With these few words I must leave you, for how long I know not. Friends, one and all, I must now bid you a fond good All were touched by these words, and more than one was in tears. Four years from that time he was born back to them dead, and all the way there the towns were hung with black, and each house strove to hang out the badge of grief for one who was mourned by all. There was talk of plots at that time to kill Lincoln on his way to Washington, but he went through safe. He was a man who would have been glad to have kept the peace of both North and South, but the South would not have it so. They thought a state had the right to go out if it chose to do so. This was states' rights, a creed that had long been held at the South, and there were six states who put it to vote and said they would go out of the Union. South Carolina was the one to lead the way. They said they would make a new band of states where it would be right to hold slaves, and they took Fort Sumter in Charleston Harbor. The sound of the first gun at Fort Sumter was a shock to the whole land. Most of those at the North who had not felt the slave trade to be wrong, now took sides with those who had been its foes from the first. All the states in the South took one side, but the slaves were, of course, for those who wished to make them free. Lincoln said in his speech at New York, when he was on his way to take his seat in the White House, When the time comes for me to speak, I shall then take the ground that I think is right, right for the North, for the South, for the East, and for the West, for all our land and so he did. The war was a great grief to him. He said, We did not think it would last so long. Both North and South read the same word of God, and both pray to him to aid them in a war on those bound to him by near ties. We hope, we pray, that this scourge of war may soon pass from us. The states that went out of the Union sent men to meet and form a new band, and they chose Jefferson Davis as president. At this time, some thought it would be best to let the states at the South go out, as all had a dread of war. Lincoln made a wise speech on the day he was made president. He said that he would do all that lay in him to keep the land one, but that he could not let the Union be torn in two by a part of it. He said the land could not stand but as one land, that they had to live face to face, the north with the south and they must be friends but he would not keep the south from their rights kind as his speech was and wise as most men felt it to be there were some who looked on it as a threat of war the first fire at sumter was like the tap of a drum and all the south rushed to arms at the north the news was like a live coal on the hearts of all a rage swept in a day or all such as had not been seen since the land was known the slaves throughout all the South took it in their heads that the Yankees had come to set them free. It would help them in all ways. They served them as guides and were on hand to dig, work, or fight to get their rights. Lincoln said that his first great aim was to save the land and not to fight for the slaves. He wrote, if I could save the Union, though I did not free a slave, I would do it. If I must let them all go free to save it, I would do it. Still in my own heart it is my wish that all men in all lands should be free. And at last it seemed best to him to send out a bill, which should say that all held as slaves should from that date be free, and that they might serve in the ranks if they chose, or in ships, or at forts, or where there was a place, with all the rights of white men, ere long a great mass of the black men took their place with Union troops and proved good and brave. There were at times men at the North who were full of fear lest the Blacks should rise when they were free and do harm to those who had held them in bonds, but they did not. Lincoln heard that there were plots on foot to put an end to his life. He said with a smile, If all this is true, I don't see what they would gain if they killed me. All would go on the same. When I first used to hear of these threats of death, I felt bad. But now they come so fast, I am used to them. There was a rhyme at this time which turned out to be true. The boys sang, Now the war was begun in 61, and in 62 we'll put it through. In 63 the slaves will be free. In 64 the war will be o'er. At this time it looked as if the war had been put through. The first band of troops that went through Baltimore were fired on by the mob. They fired back and nine men fell. This made a great stir in the north. Lincoln did not find things in the north in a good state for war. The men came in the ranks on all sides when they heard the call. For arms were scarce, so they had to be bought or made in as short a time as they could. Clothes, too, had to be got for the troops, and food and carts to draw them all, and drags for the sick. It had all to be done in a short time, so that there should be no waste or want. Lincoln then made a law that no ships should go in or out of the ports of the south. The first great fight was at Bull Run, a stream in Virginia. Here the two great foes met. From the first things went wrong with the north, and at last they were put to flight and ran for their lives. The loss on their side was great. It was all in vain that the heads of the troops sought to bring them back to make a charge once more on the foe. They were full of fear and fled. On all the roads and paths that led to the place were crowds of men in full flight. Then came the great fight at Gettysburg, which seemed the point on which the fate of the land would turn. The North won, but it was at a great price. The South lost still more. It is said that Lincoln planned the great move that freed the Mississippi. He thought of it all the time, and his room was full of maps and plans. He would mark the points where the troops marched and knew just where they were at all times. He soon saw that Grant was the man to be at the head of the troops, and he put him there. He showed that this was a wise move, for Vicksburg was soon in the hands of the Union troops. And at last the whole length of the Mississippi, from lands of snow to lands of bloom, was free, and the old flag waved o'er it. Lincoln showed at all times a kind heart, and those who went to beg the life of Kith or Kin knew that they could move him with their tears. One tells of him that in the first part of the war there was a young man who was to be shot, as he had slept at his post. His friends sought the president and begged for his life. Lincoln wrote that he should be set free. I cannot go into the next world with the blood of that poor young man on my skirts, he said. It is not strange that a boy raised on a farm, used to be in his bed at dark, should sleep on his watch, and I cannot have him shot for such an act. It is strange to know that the corpse of this youth was found with the slain on the field of Fredericksburg. He wore in his heart a card with the face of his loved president on it. And need that in his hand, these words, God bless President Lincoln. Once when one went to Lincoln to urge that a crowd of men who had sought to leave the troops should be put to death, he said, for God's sake, don't ask me to make more wives weep in the United States. In all the war, it was Lincoln's way to think and act for his own self and not leave it to someone else. He would hear what men said, but it did not have great weight with him. He had a talk with wise men on each case, but at the same time his own mind took the lead. In the South, things were in a sad state, but still they bore up with brave hearts. The crops failed and they could not get goods, save at a high price. At this time, Sherman's great march to the sea took place, and Savannah fell in his hands with all its guns and stores. The South was at its last gasp. One by one, the ports of the South had been lost to them. At five forks, the troops of the north with Sheridan had to fall back, but they made a charge and swept all in their way. Then Fort Gregg fell in the hands of the north. The troops of the south had no food and were in a sad state. There was no hope for them, and at last Lee sent word that he would come to terms. Grant met him and wrote out his terms. Lee took them. He did not have to give up his sword, and Grant let each man keep his horse, for he said they would need them all to plow the land when the spring came. Then the two chiefs shook hands and Lee went his way. The brave President Lincoln was shot as he sat in his box at the play by a man named Wilkes Booth. This man seemed to think that he would thus make up to the south for the woes of the war, as though Lincoln had been the cause of all. He had led a wild life. He laid this plan and had thought of it for some time. He had by some means got in the box and made the door fast. When he had shot Lincoln, he sprang from the box to the stage, but caught his foot and fell, and broke his leg. He had a horse at the door and got off, but was at last found in a barn, where he fought hard for his life. They set the barn on fire to drive him out, but he stood his ground and fought to the last, when he fell shot. Booth had shot Lincoln in the back of the head. The ball went in the back of the ear and lodged back of the left eye. He did not move much, but his head fell and his eyes closed. As the sound of the shot rang through the house, it was at first thought that it was part of the play, but a friend in the box saw at once what had been done, and caught at Booth, who at last got free. Lincoln could not speak. Those who stood by his bed saw there was no hope. All the land was full of gloom at the sad news. Men wept as they heard it. Each house wore a badge of grief as they bore his corpse back to his old home. The whole land seemed swathed and hung with black. To this day, all hold his name dear. He had found his way to the hearts of all as no man had done. All knew that a brave, true man had passed from this earth. William H. Seward was born in Florida, Orange County, New York, May 10, 1801. He was the son of one whose work it was to cure the sick. When he was not much more than a boy in years, he taught school in Georgia. He took up law and soon rose to a high place at the bar and led that side known as the Whigs. He was twice made the head of the state of New York, which he left at the end of his terms to take up law once more. A senator in 1849, he was made head of the state by Lincoln and Johnson. He did much good work for Lincoln and helped make him president. At the time Lincoln was shot, it was at first thought Seward would lose his life too, but he got off with but a few wounds made by one of Booth's friends. This man had forced his way into Seward's house as he lay ill. Seward was a man of mark and wrote a good deal for the press. He died at Auburn, New York, October 10, 1872. Simon P. Chase was born in Cornish, New Hampshire in 1808. At the age of 12, he was left to make his own way in the world and went to live with one of his kin, who taught the word of God and stood high in the church. While a young man, he taught school and took up law when he had a chance. At the bar, he soon rose to fame, and he tried his best to crush out the slave trade. It was through him that the Free Soil Men made a move which placed Van Buren at the head of the land. When Lincoln was made president, Chase was placed in charge of the funds of the land. He was made chief judge in 1864 and tried President Johnson, but he thought he had done no wrong. He wrote some for the press of the day and had some skill in verse. He died in New York, May 7th, 1873. End of chapter 14.